It's the Q Review Season 2. Joining us today on the Q Review, we have from Los Angeles, California, Mr. Sean Binder. How are you, Sean? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. So you're kind of our first non-artist that we've had. You are an artist, but non-artist in terms of like recording artist that we're we're having on and we're we're blowing things a little wide open. So for for those who are listening who are not aware of who you are, tell us a little bit about you and and your background. Yeah, well, uh, it's awesome that I'm the first non-recording artist on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, my name is Sean. I am from Los Angeles, as you had mentioned, and I direct music videos, I do photography, and I'm a writer as well. So kind of helping artists tell the stories of their songs through different mediums is kind of what I like to view what I do as. Um, and I feel like I've been very fortunate to have picked up a lot of these skills along the way that allowed me to do that. And you're in Los Angeles, but you're not originally from Los Angeles, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I uh, grew up in upstate New York, and then I moved to Florida for most of high school and then college. So with what you do in terms of writing and producing and, and directing and photography and all that, what did you get started in first? Writing, for sure. I was like an extremely anxious kid and I would pull out my eyelashes a lot when I was like a child that was like a thing I did and so I went and I got like my parents got me like a therapist but the big thing I always had to do was like journal down my feelings and thoughts and so probably since age eight I just have like these volumes of diaries every single day of what I've done what I was feeling and so I just kind of naturally became a writer through that and Went to school for writing, um, published a book when I was pretty young. It's called Everything is Embarrassing. You can still, still go find it on Amazon. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not how I would write now, but it's definitely <laughs> something that I put out. And yeah, I just wrote a lot. And then from there, um, kind of had writing be my full-time job and almost burned myself out from that. And so I was looking around and looking for other mediums and... My sister was always a photographer, and so I kind of just picked one up one day and just shot a few friends for fun and then realized I was getting a lot of satisfaction out of that. And then, you know, naturally, the next step for me was blending that more visual element into something narrative. So it was kind of like taking the the beauty of photography, but the narrative of writing, and that's how I wrote the treatment for the first music video I directed. And, you know, thankfully, it's been working out since so you've done a number of of music videos i know for some folks who uh, probably are very familiar with um, bronze avery as well yeah. as um, elliot jones but um what other videos have you done um so i have a lot that are in the works right now and so that's been really exciting but i've also shot for dylan um two l's and yeah. she is uh not a queer artist, but she's really fucking cool, and um, it was really awesome to get to do her first music video as well. Um, but besides that, I've mostly been shooting for Bronze and Elliot. Those are like the first two that really gave me a shot, and then from there, I feel like it just kind of opened the floodgates to where I'm heading into 2020. I just have a lot that are, I'm working on for the next few months, which is really exciting. 
your your work with bronze has been uh i mean there is the three i think there's three videos anybody else uh want to and spilling out and i would assume that bronze has some some very specific ideas of you know what he's trying he, to uh to convey he seems to be an artist that um has a really strong point of view in terms of you know his creative and he wants it to be fun but he also you know has a a, a certain point of view for sure how does that work you know do you prepare a treatment um for him and, and an idea uh to kind of give to him or does he come to you with the ideas first and you craft around that so with Want To, I, I believe, I wasn't even sure how it happened, but I think he was, we played the song for me, and then we were just kind of chatting back and forth, and he was like, yeah, I think I want to do a visual, but I'm not sure, and I kind of just instantly saw this all-queer male dance class, and so I knew with him, I definitely wanted to have all my like ducks together before I pitched it to him, so I just kind of put together a treatment and then showed him. It wasn't really fancy. I think I just, you know, made like a quick little like write up for it. But yeah, he was really excited. And then from there, uh, anybody else was mostly we just knew we really wanted to do a song and we really wanted to have a through element from want to. And so it was a matter of uh, me, the director of photography, Joe DeSantis, who I work with a lot, who's incredible and uh, bronze sitting down and just kind of thinking about what could be really cool shots, knowing that we were going to be utilizing the same actor. And that's kind of, I think, I think it's more of an idea that we spitball back and forth with. And then we side, we like go into the, the shot list or uh, locations. Bronze is my best friend. And so it's always really collaborative with him. And because he does have such a strong vision, I'm not afraid to like throw out any crazy idea because at the at the worst thing at the end of the day is we reel it back to where we can meet. And so yeah, it's it's always great working with him. I think when you're working with your friends, you give each other the space to do more interesting, crazy things than you normally would if you were like pitching an artist that you didn't know that well. Yeah, and I really like the whole concept that you came up with for for Wantu. What I really appreciated of it was that it was what's perceived as a normal style of video that we've seen portrayed very heterosexually in in the past you know you could probably see a lot of uh videos or or even movies uh where you do have that dance class it is predominantly female the teacher is male and then there's a lead dance a dancer and there's a little bit of a, a romance that's kind of building that's in there so you took that and what was really nice about it was that it was all male, but it was the same type of storyline, that same kind of storyline that's, that's in there, just very normalized for queer audience, which, like I said, I appreciate it and I'm sure other people do. So it's, and I, I, I'm assuming, and I don't want to assume, but I'll assume uh, that going into that, that was, you know, you, you wanted to represent things in, in that kind of a way. Absolutely. I, I think that's really amazing that you bring that up. Um, I kind of got my start writing for the internet when a lot of people were just really excited to hear queer stories in general. It was just like anything that I wanted to write about being gay, it was getting published. And so I really am like, I exist in this space where I view my queerness as a superpower, but I also really want to like normalize it as much as possible and we thankfully live in a time where there is way more representation in queer media and so yeah just to showcase something that was really normal and not kind of like build it around this necessarily like 
that being the entire draw of the video uh, was important to me. I really wanted to showcase that queer people like take dance classes too and they also can have flirtations with their teachers and that's fine. Um, yeah, I didn't want to make that the spectacle. I know that I read something from somebody else recently, kind of in the same way, that there's almost sometimes a perceived expectation of queer narrative being either over the top or very stereotypical or, you know, diving deep into these these images that, you know, have been portrayed for a long time, that when they do get normalized, the result, I think, for, and I think for a lot of young people, is that they start to see themselves, you know, portrayed and, and represented properly in media. And I think that's, a, for some for some youth who are in isolated areas, that could be life-changing for them, where they have never seen it or they've never felt it. Now they can actually find these pieces um, because the, the material is being handled properly and, and the thought process being put into it is coming from uh, a lived experience. It, again, it sounds dramatic to say it could be life-changing, but for some individuals, it could be. No, I don't think that's dramatic at all. I grew up in a very small town and to see something like this would have been really important to me. And I think it's amazing that queer artists and queer storytellers are pushing themselves to create work that speaks to these smaller uh, town, I guess, individuals who might not have ever thought about taking a dance class and having that be okay for them to do. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. So it's it's great that there are, are you know directors and writers like yourself that are out there who don't feel the need, I guess, to, to hide or or to pretend that they're something other than they are. I think now having you know uh, individuals like yourself who are who are out there who are writing about it and who are helping them with that, I think is is really important. So so kudos to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> So going back to uh, to the music videos with with bronze, yeah, I could see that how that you know that there was a little bit of crossover that's kind of there, and then you get to spilling out, which every kind of person that I've I've showed it to has all said the same thing that it's awesome to see this group of friends just having fun and it not be anything more than you know what it is and just having a laugh and it's just and you did you you sh did you shoot this with with uh bronze's partner jesse justin yeah yeah <laughs> he and i like co-directed it and um that was such a fun night me and bronze had talked a lot about as queer people were there any experiences that we really didn't get to have growing up and for kind of both of us it was we didn't really get to do sleepovers very often. I feel like for my parents, I, I like always had lady friends growing up. So I just always missed out on that. And like, similarly, he did too. And so we kind of knew that he was really into this VHS type style of visual. And so we just got a few bottles, ordered pizza and just invited all of our friends over. There was like a little art direction in terms of what people were wearing. But ultimately, you know, that was just us hanging out as a group. I, I'm really grateful that we have such uh, an extended and incredible group of friends who are all down to do this. And I think we shot it in maybe like three hours. And then by that time, everyone was spent and we had enough footage to like make it work. And it was it was just a really good time. 
and I know at the very beginning of the video, it's uh, it, it, it kind of scrawls out and it says slumber party, which is a whole lot of fun uh, when you kind of consider that piece that you never had that experience because it wasn't something that you really saw or, or, or wasn't impressed upon that, you know, boys had sleepovers or, or, or whatnot. And you just may not have had um, like the kind of friends that, that were around. So it's Sometimes we take for granted some of these small moments from childhood or when you're younger that you look back on. I say it to people all the time that, you know, I didn't grow up in a in an age where if uh, there was a boy I liked, I could hold, you know, even today, it's it's difficult for a lot of older people to even feel that they can hold hands walking down the street because they know that that's an automatic signifier. So there's little pieces like that and some of these you know friendship moments it's it's fantastic for you to be a part of that to have it down on film and be able to look back at that because it does in is in a strange and fun way give you the experience just in an adult manner but it's it is it's kind of like it's some of the stuff that uh, a lot of the times people take for granted that everybody has had these experiences but when you think about how you know queer people grow up uh, differently and and may feel isolated or may feel like they're they're uncomfortable about things and nobody really knows that they do miss out on some of that stuff. So it's nice to see it. I also think it's so important to showcase uh, between like queer people like platonic intimacy that not everything has to necessarily be you know romantic or not every touch needs to be super sexually charged. I think we're humans and I think that. Queer people in particular, they've always been like taught by society to feel other. And so I think that for some people, I, I know for me, um, showcasing friend intimacy is really important because I think it just like teaches people in general that it's okay to like hug your friends and love on your friends and not everything has to have this grandiose romantic meaning. And I think it's just nice. Like I never had a huge group of queer friends before I moved to Los Angeles that I felt like I could be 100% myself around. And so to find that here in this community of artists, it's just always really important for me to showcase like the small moments that might not be a romantic interest, but they're still a really important relationship in your life. And, and I think you're right. You know, platonic intimacy is really important. So the, the video by, for, for Dylan of 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 the videos you've done, I would say it's probably the the most creatively broad. I guess is mm -hmm. a, a way to put it. Um, there's a lot of imagery that's in it, and for those of you who haven't seen the video, it's 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 a kind of video that you would expect to see. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it mm -hmm. is how it flows, but there's a lot of color. There's a lot of it's a, it's a little dramatic. In the, in the yeah. sense of some of the imagery that's in there. And it's different. It comes from a very different place. And I don't know how to actually explain what it is that I'm trying to say. No, I think that um, maybe maybe it's like the different type of video. I think for that is is so much of like a look video. It really versus, is. I think the other three that I had done previously all had like this very strong uh, narrative element. For this one, it was like, we're not going to build a story around it. There was like a rough story involved. Um, but then I think you get on set sometimes to these music videos and things change and you kind of have to pivot. And I think what we ended up shooting and putting together is definitely more of like a look video that it, it relies, you know, on some cool editing. And we actually had just one location that we used for that entire shoot. And it had like um, many different, I guess, 
parts to it. Like walls were painted different colors and like to decorated differently. And so we just kind of had fun with that and uh, let Dylan do her thing. And, you know, we had a stylist there too, which usually Brown styles himself. So it was, it was really collaborative in a different way for me. And um, I think that's why I, it holds a special place uh, because it was something that I like, did that I didn't really have specific story I was trying to tell other than like a vibe. And it, the, the color, the, the, the drama that's behind it, it's a, it's a very different uh, type of storytelling. And I guess what I was trying to get at is that some of the, the dramatic moments in it and some of the elements that you have in there, how did that come about? Like, was, was that, you know, that's a different type of budget, I guess, uh, than you've had in your other uh, videos. Um, but was that, and to, to kind of bring this around, the reason I'm asking is because in creating the visuals for artists who are do-it-yourself or who are, you know, emerging and developing artists, the dollars that go into this is can be extensive and it can be limiting in terms of an artist feeling like they can't do visuals. So just trying to understand the the difference between production on this video versus the others, did you have a larger budget or was this where it was like, okay, we still have to get creative and we still have to kind of figure this out, but we're going to go in this direction instead. Yeah. I think that it was around the same budget that we've had for, I think that want to was probably our most, expensive video that I shot on and then probably Dylan. So those those were probably like roughly around the same, but yeah, I I really give it up to the director of photography, Joe DeSantis. He also edits. uh, And so he is just a genius. And I think that he's really able to take a shot and make it really interesting. And um, I think that artists shouldn't be that worried about, creating visuals if they have people that they trust. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be really expensive. Um, for example, I would say that video is probably around 1500 to shoot, which that's not, I don't want to make 1500 sound like it's not a lot of money for some people because it absolutely is. But I think like in the grand scheme of creating visuals and I, I have friends who have shot music videos for 15,000 and, you know, even more and had huge crews. And for me, it's just not really how I prefer to work. I think that when you have a smaller crew, you have the ability to quickly like iterate and change things up because it's just two or three people you need to like, get your message across to versus, all right, we're going to switch this up. And then I'm telling a crew of 15 people who need to set up new lights and like do all this other manual work. So for Dylan's video, we just kind of went in and we knew that we wanted to get really interesting shots, but uh, that we would take care of some stuff in post. And so we just kind of were able to shoot a lot of B roll and get a lot of really interesting things that, I didn't really go in having a set plan for, but I really trusted the director of photography and really trusted how the editing process would go that I kind of was able to do that. And I guess as a convoluted answer to your question, I would tell artists who aren't worried about having enough money to make visuals is just like build a really good rapport with sub visual people first. Like for bronze and for Dylan, we have such a like shorthand now where it's like, I kind of know what they would like, what they wouldn't like. Um, I'm getting ready to shoot Dylan's second video in a few weeks and we had a meeting for it. And it, it was such an easy process because she just kind of trusts what we want to do now. 
and I don't feel like I have to fight for any ideas or like prove to an artist why I want to shoot something the way I want to shoot something because we built that relationship and they know that they're going to get something cool out of it. I know I'm going to get something cool out of it. And so I think, yeah, build, build relationships with visual artists that are looking to align themselves with the music industry and then foster them as much as like they're fostering you. And you guys can make a lot of cool shit together for like not that much money. And it's definitely both parties getting something out of it. And um, yeah, like both of you feel so much married to the process when you find someone who you trust and you're equally as passionate about. Uh, you know, and when you think about uh, what you had said earlier about like, you know, maybe about a $1,500 budget, I mm-hmm. think what happens is for some artists is that they, if I was to look at this video and I, I've watched it a few times to kind of like to really think about it, you would have artists kind of going, oh, there's no way I could do that because that's probably, you know, in the 10000 or more because they they don't. Uh, have the knowledge and they probably haven't extended themselves like you said and to learn from some creatives that actually would know a little bit more and to lean on them they probably get a little bit of a misconception of it but the video itself what the the final version of it i would say you know and I, i spent a lot of time watching videos it looks just as polished just as expensive and just as much professional and at the same level as a lot of videos that are out there that are coming out of agencies that are coming out of record uh, labels. And I, I think that that's a real testament to the eye that you and Joe have and the, the work that you did with her as an artist. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I always like go up for Joe. I think that he's so crazy talented and I think that he has been so gracious in like sharing his knowledge with me I had never, you know, I had no idea what to even do the first time I got on set. And so he's been such an amazing mentor to me. And yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky because there is a lot of knowledge um, gatekeeping in a lot of industries. But I think, you know, especially the music industry, people feel very precious of how much did things cost? Or I think people forget that it's so much money to even put out an EP as an independent artist, unless you're like producing songs and mixing and mastering them yourself. So the idea of doing a music video seems like it would never be in the realm of possibilities for an independent artist because, like you said, you hear about these $10,000, $15,000 budgets and they think that that's, like, money directly equals quality. That's not always the case. Like, there's going to be... I wish I could, like... If I could tell independent artists one thing, it would be keep your crew really small, one that you trust, and then do a lot of research. I think there's going to be hard costs like you're going to have to rent the equipment unless you know someone who has the specific type of camera you want to use or you're going to need to rent a space unless you want to shoot in you know an your apartment or someone's apartment that you know which again there's nothing wrong with that we've we've used bronzes for i think two music videos um yeah he would we did anybody else and all of spilling out was filmed in, filmed in that apartment as well so yeah, you can get creative and you don't need to drop a lot of money to have something high quality. You just have to get a little bit scrappy about it and ask people, like ask videographers, what are their rates? Ask photographers, like what are their rates? Some people are down to do it because they want to build their portfolio. Some people want to do it just because they think you're dope and they really want to work with you. So 
yeah, not be not be intimidated by a price tag. Just find cool people that you enjoy working with and just make shit and see what works. It used to be that the only people who were making videos were actual artists that were coming from record labels and and big record labels. And that's not the case anymore. It's okay if you know if if it needs to get down and dirty and a little bit scrappy as you said and you know it's it's all right. We're the world isn't going to judge the same way that they used to. And now with, you know, Spotify and tracks being coming so important um, versus like how albums are being put out or EPs are being released, video has taken on a, a new form and, and the visuals have taken on a new form. Artists need to kind of give themselves some some room a little bit more to, to just experience, experiment and not worry so much about what the public eye may feel about it. Totally. And I think definitely always put out stuff you're proud of, but also understand that there's this thing, it's called the skill gap. And I like recommend everyone go on YouTube and like type in the skill gap. But it's basically like where your taste level and where your skill level at is there's like this uh, gap in it. And that causes a lot of creative frustration because you might be looking at these $20,000 videos and being like, well, I want that, but you might not have the skills or the budget or, you know, the technical means to put it together. And that's okay. What you have to be okay with when you're making sort of your first visuals is understanding that you're, you as an artist are on a journey and your visuals are going to change a lot. Like the video that you shot, six years ago is not going to be the same quality or style that your videos that you're shooting, you know, in the present day are. And you just have to be okay with that and know that like, you just got to iterate and try in the, in the streaming age, everyone wants to see what an artist looks like, see how they move, kind of get a, a feel for their personality, which is something that you can do in a video. Whereas I think in a song, it's a little bit harder for people to like necessarily translate that. Um, that's why Spotify has these vertical videos and everyone is creating visuals because everyone wants some insight into who you are as an artist. So just making peace with the fact that the first video that you shoot is probably not going to be like a Steven Spielberg film. That's fine. And just like being okay to iterate and grow. Speaking of first videos, the video for I'm in Love that you shot for Elliot Jones, good Canadian boy, that Elliot, um, <laughs> that is his first video, correct? Uh, other than uh, uh, like a, a, a lyric video, but that's his first full-on video, right? Yes, that's, that was his first video, and I felt very lucky to have done that. Um, and again, it's it was it's all him. It's in multiple versions of him, all you know, with with various different colors of shirts on and that kind of thing. And it's just him <laughs> kind of everywhere. Um, was that him? Was that you? Was that a combo conver- conversation about how that uh, was going to look? That was Elliot. He was is, it? He's yeah. He is an artist that also really has a vision for what he likes to do and how he wanted it to look. And then it was kind of my job to figure out how to do it. So that's like where my creativity came in because it was like oh okay i see what your vision is now how do we like execute this and so um yeah he just that he came to me with that concept and he was like all right don't laugh like don't think this is crazy but is this possible that we do this and me and my director of photography were like yeah we can we can figure it out yeah that that was his idea though i i assume the the overlaying of multiple 
uh, Elliot's in that space. For those of you who haven't seen the video, it is called I'm in Love. Go watch Elliot's video, please. But there's multiple Elliot's, uh, you know, in slow-mo kind of moving around within that space. And they all have different colored shirts on. And I'm assuming like that kind of a process of, of determining how to overlay that is is a trick. But it's also pro- probably where you have to figure out some of that finessing. Yeah, I was a lot of it was a lot of X's on the floor, like yeah. to mark where things needed to be, where Elliot needed to be, because we needed to be able to overlap him and not have like him be in his own frame a lot right. of the times. And so I think for us, it was it was is probably the most technically difficult video I've ever made, just because of how intentional we had to be with like the camera placement. And you would have thought that we were dealing with like a very very sick like child or something with this camera it was like no one crowd the camera no one touch it no one like get too close to it because even if we moved it like a little centimeter then it would have been off for some of the shots yeah i think figuring that part out was really fun and challenging and uh, a really good experience it i think filmmaking in general you're just picking new new stuff up every time you shoot a video and that was like a lot it was a lot of learning um how to do technical like tricks in a way that was cool. For um, a visual creator like yourself and an artist is coming to you, what are the things that, that they really should take into consideration when they're they're coming forward and to, to pitch an idea you they would never ever think about? Like what what are some of those kind of like hang ups that they may have or, or some of those those pitfalls that they have that they should be thinking of? I think that they should be honest with themselves about, you know, what type of performer they are. For some people, like giving this emotional performance where you're having to do a lot of heavy acting, that might not necessarily be your thing. And that's okay. That's not like, not every music video needs to have you crying or you like play acting a scene with a significant other. I also think that how they view themselves is probably the biggest thing that they would should really take into consideration in the sense of when do I feel best like about how I look or what angles do I really like about myself that way I'm not like shooting you from below if <laughs> you're like I hate this angle <laughs> or um it could both be exciting or frustrating depending if an artist has like a really clear vision on what they want because at the end of the day you do want it to be really collaborative and like have them be really excited about what you're creating together but if they don't know that's also an opportunity for you to help like mold and guide them i would suggest to artists really think about your self-awareness in a lot of different facets how do you like to look when do you feel best um what are your like hard no's like I do not want to have a male love interest in these music videos because that's not what I stand for as, you know, a feminist or, or however you, your beliefs could translate into visuals is kind of like laying that all out there for the director is important. What do you have coming up that you can tell us about? What I can tell you about is I have a video with Brandon Colbean that is coming out soon. I think, you know, working with Bronze and working with Elliot, it's really opened up a lot of doors for me to help other artists tell their stories and so this year i'm kind of branching out and working with more people which i guess i could say is like something that's coming up i have a few repeat people that i'm working with yeah i feel like i've been really lucky every video that i've shot or i've been planning this year is like crazy and i can't imagine my life a year ago have planning some of these shoots um we shot one two i think about a year ago so it's been a crazy year but um 
yeah, Brendan Colbean's video is coming out pretty soon. I, I just got the first bounce of that. So we're going to go and like make some edits and polish it up. But he was also fantastic to work with. Uh, his presence online uh, really lends to you believing that he would he would be fantastic to work with. I think he's incredibly creative, um, and I've been you know I'm hoping to have him on the podcast here uh, sometime soon as well. His his storyline has been really interesting to kind of follow. I think so too. I, I listened to some of the project, and I think it's going to be phenomenal. And so I'm excited. One last thing before you know, I, I send you back to your life. You write, you direct, you produce. Feels as though maybe you've landed somewhere that you actually really enjoy. That it may be the the most prominent one. I'm sure you like all of it, but it really does feel like maybe video and video directing is is something that you're. It's meant to be you. I think so. It feels like the culmination of everything I've been trying to teach myself over the years, and. I'm such a film nerd that the chance to get to direct anything is kind of a wild to me. I wake up every day and I feel like very, very, very lucky to do this. So hopefully I will be able to continue. You're you're somewhat in a way becoming uh, the L.A. queer go to for music videos. You're you're becoming the music video king. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I hope so. That would be we'll great. We'll bill you as that. We'll bill you as that. <laughs> Please. Great for my SEO. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us and, and talking to us about your work. Your insight into this world has, is is really interesting. So, And hopefully we can talk in the future about some of these projects and, and kind of how it all develops. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Before you go... How can people find out more about Sean Binder? Oh, true. Okay. Um, you can email me at uh, bindershawn at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at thatbinderdude. That binder dude, and that's how I found you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have now talked to Sean Binder about the videos, how they're made and the production and everything that's gone into it, the artists that he's worked with. So we're going to take a listen to one of those songs. This is is Elliot Jones, his latest, I'm in love. I'm in deep, I can't lie, ever since I say that night. In my head, on my mind, weigh me down, but I feel so light. I'm on speed, I'm on fire, heartbeat racing a million miles. Give it all up, all of your time, it'll never be enough. Can't seem to fall asleep, I hate it The thought of you, it keeps me up And this is also one like me But lately, my baby got me so fucked up Time, it'll never be enough I just 
music and the internet what it has done is it has given people the power to create in their bedrooms in small studios in their living rooms but it's also created an influx that anybody can be a pop star how do you see traveling the waters there a bit right to be able to differentiate between the good and the potential listening to the music and trying to sift through everything because there is a lot that's coming out. I think as we talked about, just streaming has changed everything and you don't just listen to a top 40 radio station anymore giving you the most played songs. I mean, now it's all about the playlists and playlists are what kind of define numbers and streaming and how you get heard and how you grow your fan base. Getting onto certain playlists now is more important sometimes in getting on radio or getting on MTV. Um, and so, you know, which playlist do you get on? Which playlist do you follow? I know for myself, I, I follow a number of different playlists on Spotify. Um, I follow the Out Now playlist, first and foremost. I follow Billboard's Queer Necessities playlist, which is updated monthly. I follow your playlists for the Q review. But I also follow a lot of the artist playlists. And I think that's another thing that is very interesting is that artists themselves can help break other artists now or give other artists more exposure than a typical promotion team from a record company would. You know, I follow the playlist by Kisos and Davy Boy and Michael Madrano and Barden Aurora, and I've discovered more music through those playlists. And so I think it's actually kind of cool that a lot of these musicians kind of have more influence to help other musicians in their community break through than they did, say, during the 90s. And I think that that's pretty cool. 
Want to know more about what Dougie has to say? Check him out online at www.dougiestyleclub.com and on Twitter at DougieStyle4. Out this week! All right, everyone, we have some exciting new releases this week. Very, very, very exciting. I'm excited. Hope you're excited. Let's get into it. Brandon Colbean is back this week with a brand new song called Mess. Little Nas X and Nas the Original has given us some rodeo. The wonderful Gia Woods has a brand new song, Hungry. Justin Bieber has teamed up with Kalani to bring us Get Me. We've got Cave Boy and Guess I've Changed. Declan McKenna is back with Beautiful Faces. Jordy has released his brand new song, High Score. We've got an acoustic version of Watching TV with the Sound Off from the always delightful Peter Thomas. Lauren has released brand new song, More. We've got Jermaine Riley and LOL. Raina with Saw You with Somebody Else. Sarah Smith with Kickstand. And in our new cue, Spotlight, cover we've got sienna liggins and wait on me but right now we're gonna listen to brand new song from toronto boy tafare anthony and this is his new track centerfold in the corner of my apartment there's a cardboard box has all your stuff in there you want it you can pick it up Sorry you are, I'm getting tired of all the texting and the damn phone calls Who even calls no more? Oh, I, 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 I,
Got a few seconds? Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next week.